Hello and welcome to another episode of Best of Three with your hosts, Mike and Rob. And today, our special guest is Johnny Magic himself, John Finkel. Hi guys, how you doing? Yeah, we're doing good. Uh, you know, we're getting ready for the uh, fun festivities of the weekend. You know, this is a pretty uh, good weekend coming up because it's St. Patrick's Day weekend. Yeah, yeah you know. you, I, I, uh, I know I'm old because St. Patrick's Day weekend has moved from a weekend where I'm really into partying to a weekend where I'm thinking to myself, my God, there are all these drunk people in New York. <laughs> <laughs> no, the drunks. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, when you start living there, it makes it a very different uh, perspective on it. It does. And I'm half Irish. Too. Oh, well, I'm so am I. All right, well, that's good. Oh, me three. <laughs> so we can change the name of this show to Best of Irish. Best of Irish, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. I said Irishman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd just like to say to the uh, listeners out there, we're today, obviously, we're not doing our typical best of three. Uh, we're just going to be interviewing John Finkel. No, yes, that's exactly what we're doing today. Yes. I should have stated that, but I didn't. Yes, we need to state that, Michaels. Well, yes. anyways, <laughs> sorry about that. So, yeah, this is John Finkel. Many of you know him from his extensive magic career and his longevity in the game of magic i mean were you not at the first pro tour i, I was the first pro tour I, i'm actually a little bit less than a 10 minute walk from it right now oh that's convenient it's actually, yeah it's actually quite close to my apartment although when i played in the first pro tour i was a junior i wasn't 18 so i had to play in what eventually became the super series they just called at that time the junior pro tour uh, and the prizes were scholarships. Although I think for the first few Pro Tours, there's a pretty strong argument that the juniors were at least as strong as the seniors. I did not realize that they had an age restriction. So I don't know if it was an age restriction per se. You certainly had to be 18 or under to play in the junior section. I, I believe that for the first Pro Tour, it wasn't something you had to qualify for. You had to actually call in. So I, I suspect there they enforced the age restriction. Yeah. But after that, I, I don't know. I, I think Ole might not have been 18 when he won uh, Columbus. Okay. So it's it's. So I, I think that the restriction was more of a one-sided one, where you could only play in the juniors if you were young enough. So what game other than Magic would you say was the first game you really got into? Well, I, I first got into computer games. My, my dad's obviously also a gamer. He. Uh, I, I like to say that I think there's a chance that he's one of the people people in the world to spend the most hours playing computer games wow it's uh because the person has to be pretty old they have to at least be in their their late 50s yeah because computer games you can play computer games in the 70s you had to have access to uh to a mainframe yeah uh, my, my dad was like and punch you also had stuff? to play some of these mmorpgs and my dad played everquest he's gone through a couple phases of playing wow Wow. Wow. That's, that's actually very interesting to know. Right. So I, I played a lot of computer games with my dad when I was young. A lot of uh, Dungeons and Dragons style games, games like Wizardry, Here's the Might of Magic. Yeah. Another game I, I loved was Civilization. Oh, that's a good one. And I, I was always kind of interested in Dungeons and Dragons and role playing. I, I read a lot of fantasy. I moved to England when I was 14, and there was a local game store in our downtown that I started to go to. And I initially went there because I was looking for groups to play D&D with. And yeah. I did actually play a fair amount of role playing in all my time there it was called fun and games it was run by this great guy paul uh unfortunately i think it closed in 04 oh, that's unfortunate but, yeah when i was there i uh, is when i discovered magic i think pretty quickly magic became my my favorite my primary game but i was still doing a lot of other gaming as well and in fact that, that was definitely a period of my life where i had the most diversity of gaming 
as an adult, I, I, I definitely don't have nearly as much in the way of, of different games that I'm playing. Right, yeah. I know, like, uh, a lot of times, like, we would go to pick up, uh, go to, like, our local game shop, and then we'd realize, like, you want to know what? We haven't picked up a new game in a while. Let's just, let's just pick something up, just for just for fun, old time's sake. Yeah, I mean, there's so many games out there nowadays. It's just so hard to pick. Yeah, there's a lot of competition between, you know, between me wanting to play a video game and then me going, wait a second, I actually want to talk to other people face-to-face. Let's play board games. Yeah. Right. And one thing for me especially is that I do like playing games at a high level. Yeah. And a lot of these games, it's I only have a limited amount of time. I don't even have all the time to devote to magic that I would like. Yeah. And some of these other games, they might be very interesting. But if there was a new game that was exactly as good as magic that came out next year and it was you know, but different. Yeah. I just wouldn't get into it because I already have the kind of competitive gaming part of my part of my universe is just taken up. Yeah. I'm much more likely now to play. Uh, I play a couple of computer games, although not so much the last few months. And, and I'll play more social games. Right. Games like Time's Up or Apples to Apples or Tapping. The sort of things that you can play with people that aren't just gamers. Uh, do you do poker at all? Like some of the other guys, the, the other pros? I played a lot of poker. Starting when I was 20, uh, I guess I was 1998. And I played it pretty seriously through about 2005 or so. Yeah. But I played very, very little since. Uh, what would you consider to be your favorite game or greatest game played in Magic? You know, this is a, a hard question because I feel like in, the answers are kind of almost trite. Uh, let, let me clarify a little bit. I, I, I used to say, and I still feel it's mostly this way, is that there's the right play and then there's mistakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So greatest play, it's it's kind of a complicated thing to look at. I mean, certainly the the match against Bob when I won Worlds was right. you know was was probably the most meaningful match. Even though my first top eight in Chicago a couple of years earlier in '97 was my most meaningful tournament, but I, I can't even really identify one play, and I don't even really think about well, what games was in that the... sense. What, was there ever like uh, you noticed one of your opponents had made a uh, egregious error and you capitalized on that? Was there ever a play like that? Yeah, well, I said that happened against Bob in the first game, which is pretty rare because Bob was an absolutely phenomenal player. But uh, we were playing the Tinker Mirror. Yeah. And he was ahead and he had a processor out and he was a one life because he made a 19 processor. And he tinkered for a crumbling sanctuary. I don't know if people know what the card does, it's a five cascos artifact. And it, instead of taking damage, you remove cards from the top of your library. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. And he did it before he attacked. I guess the rationale was that it would let him kill me a turn earlier, but it gave me an out, and then I had the opportunity with my own 1919 processor. <laughs> and I was eventually able to stabilize and, and come back and win. What? So that, I mean, that, that was obviously very graphite. Then it ended up being a, uh, a seven game, uh, not seven, a five game series. So I, I definitely needed that. Have you ever uh, noticed yourself picking up on a mistake and then, uh, or like reviewing a game that you played and then fixing the mistake? Like, for instance, you you realize that you could have played a creature sooner or... Uh, Left up mana could... for countering spells or... Yeah, so, or something to the effect of that. In terms of actual magic gameplay, I probably peaked somewhere between age 20 and 22. So I'm definitely not better at magic now than I was then. I definitely... I definitely probably have better tournament results now because I do a much better job of preparation. And also the kind of magic universe right now is such that being a part of a, of a mega team like I am is just a huge advantage and also yeah. forces you to prepare. Yeah, so I hear you're now part of the Pantheon instead of uh, Team Star City Games. Yeah, 
I mean, we, you know, we had a great time uh, and a great relationship with Star City, but uh, eventually we moved on to to be a Channel Fireball, which was just great because you know it, it's it's awesome that I get to deal with with Luis now, Andy, who uh, you know does most of the editing for sites. Great, so is John. Uh, so yeah, so I, I'm I'm very happy to uh, to be you know both under the Channel Fireball umbrella and also to play with you know the people I play with in, on the Pantheon who are some of the best Magic players of all time. I mean, it, it's kind of funny. Vikai and I are both on the team. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I don't yeah. even know right now if we'd be in the top half of people most likely to win a pro tour on the team. Well, Oh, yeah. So. Well, you, you have a lot of really ta- young and talented players with you. And who would you say was or is your greatest rival in Magic if you have one? See, the thing is, is I never really thought about it in those terms. I guess the obvious answer is Kai. And going back, I, I guess that's probably the case. But in, in practice, it wasn't really. Our, our peak periods didn't really overlap. I mean, I mean he, you know, he won Worlds in 99, which was a few years, you know, when I was kind of my peak period. Yes. It was a little bit of a down year for me. And then I, I was still, I saw some top eights in 03, which was kind of into his peak period. But but really, our, our you know, his peak really came after mine. The, the year when he won, I don't know, it was two or three Pro Tours. He won like two consecutive ones. I, I'm not even sure if I went to those Pro Tours. Maybe I went to one of them. Uh, so I, I wasn't really doing a ton of prep work. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a, it's a bit different. And if I look back to my time, I mean, look, Magic's a game where you're playing against somebody who's about as good as you are. Maybe you're 50%, maybe you're 48, maybe you're 53. I, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't really think of, of individual people as rivals. You, you don't end up playing the same person that often. It, it's not like a game such as tennis where Nadal and Federer, even though there, of course, Nadal, you know, they were playing when Federer was on his, his, his downswing. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's not the sort of thing where, hey, there's a pretty good chance that the finals or the semifinals of all these tournaments, well, I guess the finals would be one, two seeds, are going to be these two. It's just not like that, I imagine. It's like asking your greatest rivals of poker. Most people are like, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm just playing against people that, that I'm prepared against here, you know, or that at my table. All right. Well, how about who would you say was your biggest uh, influence in your life from the people you met playing Magic? Jesus, that's a... It's an interesting question. Uh, I, I will say <laughs> that the only player who ever really intimidated me was, was Mark Justice. Uh, I won't say that he was my biggest influence. Again, these are the questions I, I get asked a fair bit, and I feel like maybe I just think a little bit differently than most people do. You know, there's a, another analogy that I've probably used too many times. I, I think it's really important in, in Magic and probably in the rest of life as well, to understand that just because you're better than someone at something doesn't mean you can't learn from them. And so I'll talk about, for example, like those Chicago Bulls where, you know, obviously Michael Jordan was like was the best player, but, you know, maybe like Craig Elo could probably teach him something about how to shoot a jump shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel it's like that in Magic. I've, you know, I can tell you people now who's, you know, I mean, opinions I respect, I really respect most of the people on the, you know, on the, on the Pantheon. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, there wasn't one player that I really felt really stood out as somebody who influenced me in Magic. And, and I think actually part of that is has to do with, with kind of the change in the way in the way the Magic Pro scene has evolved. Yeah. When I started, everybody was new. Everybody was starting. I wasn't coming up as an 18-year-old, but there are people who've been playing for 10 years or 15 years. Yeah. If I were coming up now, there almost certainly would be somebody who was my greatest influence. But... At that point in time, everybody was new. There was no, there in, in the sense, there was no uh, uh, shoulders of giants you could stand on. You were the giant. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, right, or, or we were all midgets. I mean, Mark yeah, Johnson yeah, was yeah. the closest thing we, we had to a giant. And I do remember I played him once. I didn't remember, I think maybe I even won in Worlds. And I, I remember being intimidated 
and ha having that, that feeling, which is not really a feeling that, that I have very much. And I certainly didn't have very much then. Now I, I don't have it because I'm old and experienced. Then I probably didn't have it because I was young and stupid. But what about the people in general that you met in Magic, like outside of your uh, the Magic community? Like from the people that you met playing Magic, how did they influence your life outside of it, Magic? Like um, I know you made a lot of friends playing Magic, but like... I mean, Magic has been the source for just an overwhelming percentage of my friendships and relationships. Um, I mean, there's obviously the OMS brothers, Steve and Dan. Dan is probably the person I see the most of anybody these days. Almost everything I do, uh, Dan is also involved in. You know, I play basketball, play Magic, have a, have a movie night, just doing random other things. Uh, you, you know, there's obviously a very strong New York Magic base. There's, you know, there's also the dead guys, you know, like, Dave Price and Chris Bacula and Tony Sai, who are some of my best friends now. Yeah. You know, even though some of them, like Chris, are married with kids in Philadelphia. You know, people like Igor Freeman, who's maybe not as well known to people now. Absolutely great guy. I was the best man at his wedding. From California, lived in New York for a while. He's also down in Philadelphia now. I mean, these are some of the people that are giving my life, like my lifelong friendships. Uh, I wouldn't even necessarily want to sing out any one of them, but I mean, magic has kind of dominated, defined my social circle. And my friendships, my relationships, I think I think I've been very lucky because, you know, that happened. When did you realize magic could be more than just a hobby? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I, uh, I certainly realized it before I had any actual reason to realize it. I, uh, so I failed out of school interest. I never really liked school. I was always kind of awkward, and I, I never really liked doing homework. Uh, but, you know, I, I got good grades. I got good, well, I got, I got okay grades. I got good test scores. Uh, so I entered college. I went to Rutgers State University, New Jersey, uh, as, a, as a second semester sophomore because, you know, I, I took like every AP test and passed them. But better schools didn't really take me because my grades were kind of crappy, and my, I'm sure that my admission essays were just thrown together. And so I failed out in the first year because there's nobody forcing me to go to school. And my dad... You know, tells me, he's like, you know, if you're going to live with me, you have to get some sort of job. And I told him, you know, Dad, I think I can make a living you know, playing cards. And that point, I meant magic, playing magic. And he was, he was just like, not a chance. He said, if you're going to be living under my roof, you have to get some sort of job. So I actually got a job delivering pizza for Domino's to nice. not a very nice neighborhood. And, uh, and I didn't do that until I actually made my first top eight in Chicago in 97, where I won 10 grand. And then I quit that job. And, and my dad actually says how the one time in my life, my parents were very easygoing. I mean, they really raised a lot of independence, you know. But my dad says the one time in his life he tried to force me to do something, he, he was dead wrong. I, I think the probably more charitable interpretation would be that he was actually probably right. It just so happened that, you know, sometimes there's a 1 in 20 chance and the 1 in 20 comes through and that was probably where I was. Probably a 1 in 20 chance that magic was going to be big, keep on being big and lead to all the other things I did and that I was actually as good at it as I thought I was as a 19-year-old. Yeah, I mean, I personally am surprised with how long magic has lasted and it's been my biggest hobby uh, since 1999 when I was introduced to it. Um, I mean, I imagine it's been very shocking to you for the longevity. I mean, this is the 21st uh, year it's been around. Yeah, it's it's just pretty nuts. I mean, I'm, I'm watching myself become an old man this game. And then I wonder what's going to happen. We start having 50-year-olds playing in the Pro Tours. Or maybe, maybe have a – you still have some, somebody in their 40s top 80. Maybe have somebody in their you know in their 50s top 80 at some point if, if all of us Hall of Famers are still playing out there. So, yeah. I mean, one of us will just get lucky and do it. So we just recently saw the resurgence of William Jensen's career. You know, he came back after leave of absence. He's really becoming a dominant force again. Do you see that happening with some of the other players? So here's the deal with, with Billy is that, I mean, he's like an absolutely elite category. I'm not saying other Hall of Famers, the good players aren't, but 
I mean, I, I had back in the day when I was a little bit of my focus uh, and Billy was coming up, I had more respect for him than any other Magic player in the world. I, I think that Dan got to play online poker. He definitely, I think there was a period where he probably was the best player in the world kind of between me and Kai, at least for some period. I was probably most in the period where, where I was actually still putting up top eights. I just got really lucky in one year. I, I think if that happened for online poker, he would have been as dominant as anybody else in the history of Magic. So, it, it, you know, I, I campaigned for him for years before he actually got into the Hall of Fame. And it doesn't surprise me at all that he comes back. He, he, has, he has some some time and he can dedicate it. He's just, if there's a really good chance he's the best Magic player in the world right now. I don't see anybody else. I mean, most of the people that are talked about the Hall of Fame are people who are kind of still playing, right? I, I don't see anybody else who's maybe going to come back and just be as, as good as, as, as William Jensen is. But that's just because he's, he's just, I mean, he, he's just phenomenal. All right. Um, I know you, because that's how I got in contact with you uh, through watching your stream, uh, that you uh, occasionally stream Cube on uh, Twitch. I, I do. I, I stream is actually kind of fun. Uh, I just don't play very much Magic online. Oh, I don't blame I, you. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's funny because obviously it has a lot of problems. It's also pretty amazing. You can just play Magic at any point time from you know, from where we happen to be but i do find the old power cube fun i certainly find it fun to try to do degenerate things which is mostly i guess playing storm decks but only because that lets you play the fewest number of ways to win while you're trying to draw as many cards as possible as many times as possible i'll probably stream a little bit more i might record some videos for for channel fireball it's kind of fun to uh, to make content so, I mean, I'm not going to be doing a ton of content, but I'll probably be producing a half dozen pieces a year. Uh, I mean, I produced two for the last Pro Tour, although they were related, but that was probably a bit of an outlier because I played a deck and I was played a deck that I really liked and had a lot of familiarity with and felt, you know, and, and very much wanted to write about. Personally, for me, um, through watching other uh, streamers, Jan Vandervik is one of them, and I know Mike Jacob, uh, yeah, Mike Jacob, and a few of the others, um, including I know Ralph, uh, Raphael Levy is doing streaming too, and a few others of the uh, pros that are relatively well known. Watching them play has actually improved my play skills uh, or my decision making in my play skills, specifically drafting better. Because when I, I remember when I used to draft, I had a hard time um, figuring out what was uh, not necessarily the best strategy, but picking up reads on um, on what colors and to go into. Do you think that uh, that this in general, the watching of other players, does help, or that it's just um, you know a coincidence for me? I, I think it helps. You know, it's interesting. I uh, I watched Tom Martell. He produced a video on Channel Fireball that was uh, playing Storm in a uh, in a daily event. And, and Tom is, has played a lot of Storm, and he, he's done very well in all the terms he's played it. And, and, I've, and I have a ton of respect for Tom as a Magic player. One thing he does when, when he's producing content, like video content, is he talks through his entire process and all the, and the plays he makes, the potential plays he could have made and why he's doing things. And you know, even I was like, okay, yeah, I can, t- I can see why you, why you do that there. And it's not, it's not even so much there were a lot of times where I would have disagreed with what he did, but I, I definitely, I, I definitely found it even somewhat rewarding to listen to him talk through all of his reasonings for making for making these plays. Uh, and this is a deck that I, I play very well, and I've, and I've played a ton of times. So I, I could easily see uh, it being very helpful to to other people, especially people with, with a little bit less familiarity with with the deck or format, to watch these people stream. I, I think it probably also really matters. The uh, I'll, I'll say the 
quality of the streamer. By, by that, I mean the amount of information and uh, just their the, the way they, they talk through their processes. So somebody like Tom will probably actually gain more from than somebody like me. And this would, this would be true even if I were a better Magic player than Tom is a considered better Magic player, which I'm not does a very good job of, of going through the exact lines of thought, the different choices, why he does one thing over something else. And uh, and I mean, you know, I, I, I stream for fun. I, I definitely like to help teach people, but I, I just don't do that as naturally as Tom does. And I haven't seen a ton of other videos, a ton of other streams. Uh, so I, I suspect it really matters uh, who you're watching. Although you can probably get something from watching almost anybody who's at least somewhat confident. One last question before we get into the, uh, you know, a few uh, other things. This one is, aside from magic, what are your current hobbies? That, that, that's a good question. So I, I play a fair bit of basketball. We, we run out of gym every weekend, play in a league where we, we play in a game a week. Sometimes we play both days on the weekend. I uh, When it's a little bit warmer out, it's hopefully starting in a, a month or two. I, I ride my bike a lot. I mostly use it as a form of transportation, but uh, I, I definitely feel like it's the sort of thing that it definitely approaches hobby status. I, uh, I host a movie club every week, oh, really? so That's it's actually nice. funny in that I probably average watching about 1.1 movies a week, and, and the one is at the weekly movie club, and then every once in a while I watch something else. That's actually pretty interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess these are my big kind of hobbies. I, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of friends in New York, a pretty broad social circle, so I just somehow end up with plans a lot. You know, to just simple things like going out to eat and, and stuff like that. All right. Um, I know you have a charity that you uh you're associated with and you do a lot of work for. Would you like to talk a little bit about the charity? I, I would. It's uh, it's called Gamers Helping Gamers. It's a strategy that we started to give Magic players uh, scholarships to go to university. Uh, so I, I guess this is probably going to be airing in a little bit. We actually have a, a, uh, a big charity event tomorrow, at, uh, which is March 15th. So it's probably in the past when someone's hearing this at Kerwin's Games Store up in the, uh, the Catskills. They, uh, they actually had one last year, and it was, it was a great event. They raised about seven grand for charity. It's, it's a great store. You know, Steve is, 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 is just, you know, he's a great guy. I was, I was really impressed with, with the way they ran their tournament and also their, their facilities and really the generosity of that entire community up there. And, you know, we've, uh, you know, Magic players have been, the community have been pretty good about donating, but anybody out there who wants to donate or give more, you can go to gamersubbygamers.org and there's a little button you can press and, and send us some money. And, uh, you know, you'll, uh, you'll help some uh, some deserving Magic player who's you know, possibly a little bit brighter than his, than his grade show to, uh, to afford college. All right, well, thank you very much, John. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. All right, thank you very much, John. Goodbye. All right, that was a lot of fun. John was a really nice guy. Yeah, he's really cool. That was really nice of him, you know? I mean, especially that we met up with him in New York for the funny situations. I'm, I'm going to have to say, I'm liking him better than you. I'm going to ask him to be the new co-host. You know, I don't blame you. You know, I really don't. Yeah, I kind of do. You know what? How, you know, how much would you like if I replaced you? you know? I like that. I'd make it I'm going to replace you. You, know? you are going to get replaced. What do you mean to replace me? You. You're going to get replaced. Are you going to replace this? Yeah, I'm going to go to Craigslist and replace you. Hey, you're going to get murdered there. Axe murdered. Hi, I'm John Finkel, Magic the Gathering Hall of Famer, and I listen to the non-productive Best of Three.